his sister, I remember her like gnawing on like a stair. <laughs> and I remember being like, not that one. That one's going to yeah, ruin my house. <laughs> that looks like property damage. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I am Dr. Lisa Lippman. And I'm Richie Redding. Uh, our guest today, I will just say that you, sir, were a contestant on The Bachelor. You are a bartender or the bartender on Bachelor in Paradise, and you're engaged to be married to the actress Sarah Hyland from Modern Family, uh, Wells Adams. How do you get out of bed every day with this life that you have, man? It Just from the outsider's perspective, it blows. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm doing great. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, as good as can be expected with the world currently burning uh, around us. Um, how do I get out of bed every day? Well, actually, one, I need to go to work so I can like try to somehow keep up with my fiance's ever-growing portfolio and large bank account. <laughs> to be honest with you, the other reason why I get up every... So I used to do a radio... I used to do a morning show where I'd, I had to be, had to be in, in studio around like 5.30. So I always would get up at like 4 in the morning. 5.30? Yeah, Woo! it was... It sucked, dude. Um, and then I had a couple years where like I did need to get up that early and now I have to get up at 6.20 every single morning because... My dog, Carl, who's pictured behind me, has seizures now. And so he has to be on this phenobarbital Kepra mixture and needs to be fed every 12 hours. And since we feed the dogs at 620 at night, oh, wow. I got to get my happy ass up at 620 every morning to feed the dogs. And I know this show is about uh, pets. So, you know, how I get up every morning is to keep my dog from not seizing every day. Which sucks. Man, it was a rhetorical question, but you went <laughs> super on the nose with it. And uh, wow. Well, I mean, yeah, we that definitely, was on the nose. Yeah, we definitely have to, to get into that. Carl is a black and tan bloodhound? Yes, black and tan bloodhound. I didn't even know that was a thing. I think the traditional bloodhound that you think of, like when fox and hound, that's, uh, that's a red. But they have black and tans. And I remember... You know, when I went to go adopt him, there was a litter of, there was a bunch of them and there was a bunch of tan ones. And for whatever reason, you know, it's so funny when, when you go to a shelter and you meet a dog or whatever, it's, it's how they respond to you, you know, it's such a, yeah. it's, and so, yeah, Carl and I were best friends from the beginning. And so, so in the same litter, there was like more traditional tan ones and black and tan. Yeah, which I didn't know. Like I, I just assumed like all of them would have been black and tan or all of them would have been reds or whatever. But no, yeah, there was his sister, I remember, was this big fatty uh, red. 
that was like, I remember her like gnawing on like a stair. <laughs> and I remember being like, not that one. That one's going to yeah, ruin my house. <laughs> that looks like property damage. <laughs> it was it possible uh, multiple baby daddies? I, I was going to say, did you did did Wells know that it was possible for dogs to have multiple dads? In the same no. Litter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of our best facts. It's yeah. really one of our best facts. It's possible for dogs and cats to both have multiple dogs in one litter. Yep. So that's why like you'll you'll often see kittens coming out like looking all differently and stuff. So I doubt this was the case for him if they were all true bloodhounds, but still possible. Carl's mom was a flat foot floozy that was just <laughs> open for business. <laughs> flat foot floozy. <laughs> is that a uh, is that a Nashville term? I haven't heard that one before. Are you from Nashville? No, I'm from California. I think it's a widespread oh, panic okay. song. Uh, the fact that I know that's ridiculous, but no, I, I grew up in I grew up in Monterey, California, and then I went to school in Mississippi, which is actually how like I became like in I fell in love with the breed of bloodhound. So there's this crazy jail prison in Louisiana called Angola State Prison. Sounds like actual hell. Yeah, it's. <laughs> bonkers so there's a documentary about it you should watch it's fascinating but anyways one of my best friends in in college was from went to jail yeah exactly uh well, actually it's amazing he is not in jail but um <laughs> his father was friends with the warden of angola state prison and so they every year they have a thing called the angola rodeo which where they put like convicts on like bucking broncos and like cows and people come and watch and it's oh. i've seen that i've seen the th yeah i've seen the thing about the, the the convict rodeo yeah it's so messed up like at the time i was like woo you know like whatever but like in hindsight i was like they should not be on these they are not qualified to be doing this but anyways uh angola i think it's like one of if not the largest um penitentiaries in the united states and it's like completely self um self-serving or self-sustaining like they grow their own food there mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and it's on such a big piece of land it's so big there are fences and there are uh walls and stuff but it's so big that um if you do escape you like run into marshland and you're kind of effed you know like you can't it's hard to really escape so they breed bloodhounds there if you i think this is probably more back in the day but if you try to escape run away they'd get the bloodhounds to go find you and yeah a cool hand luke exactly and so I, we were having, getting a tour from the, the warden and he was like, these are the Angola bloodhounds as actually a specific breed of bloodhound to this actual jail, which I guess are different than normal bloodhounds. And I was just fascinated with like, what an interesting, like such a specific thing to breed into a dog. And they're obviously very good at it. And, you know, everyone knows the stories of bloodhounds being able to, you know, track over three counties to find you know, a wounded deer or like a missing person, all that kind of stuff. And so then I became obsessed with it. And I was like, I want one of these Angola uh, bloodhounds. Like I, so I was on some waiting list, uh -huh. 20, not 20, but like 10, 12 years. And I just never, I think that like it's a popular thing probably to get an Angola bloodhound. And 10 so or 12 years. Yeah, That's I wild. On, I was on it forever. It's a long wait list. Never happened. So finally, when I like, I bought a house, I bought, I purchased so many things specifically for an animal. It's so funny to me. I bought a house. <laughs> Before it, you even had one. 
Yeah, exactly. I bought a house that had a it needed to have a big backyard because I wanted to get my dog. And so I bought a house <laughs> and then I bought this uh real old cool land cruiser with like a big like back trunk so my dog love an old land cruiser yeah fj62 baby it's like my it's yeah, the greatest dude. thing in the world but anyway so then i bought this car because i was like my dog's gonna be able to get in it and we're gonna go camping together and then finally i was like okay now i have the things that like you need for a dog and i remember reading some it was like something about like millennials like millennials are buying houses for their pets and not really for like a spouse or like to raise kids and i was like that that is me. I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to get this Angola bloodhound. So then I started looking for shelter shelters that would have bloodhounds. And then I ended up finding one in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and which was close to Nashville where I was. And that's kind of the... Well, I, I'm fascinated by these Angola bloodhounds that were probably raised and trained by the prisoners because the prisoners have to do all the work at these places. So that'd be so weird if you were a prisoner training a dog so that if you ever try to escape, that dog will catch you. <laughs> That's super weird. <laughs> try to become like super like good friends with a couple of them so just in case they come after you. You're like, hey, you know me? Yeah. <laughs> it's your boy. But and remember a couple years ago when there was that there's two convicts that got loose in New York state and they like kept getting closer and closer to like this city. Like they're just going to walk into the city and start killing people. But, uh, the way that they beat the bloodhounds for so long was that they tied pepper shakers to themselves. So they, there was constantly a, a little stream of black pepper behind them. I don't the know. That's, that's what they said. All right. Well, we'll see. It was on the news. Okay. Ergo, it's real. Okay. <laughs> Wait, did you see, not to completely go sideways, but did you see the document or the movie they made? It was with uh, um, Pat Patricia Arquette and um, Benicio yeah, Del Toro. I forgot about that. I, I, no, I didn't see the movie, but I, they, I remember that they made it about him. Yeah, it's a, it's a series. They, I think it was on HBO. It's so good. You should watch it. So I told you right before we started that I actually have your phone number. <laughs> And <laughs> despite <laughs> not neither of us knowing how, and uh, so do you remember a show for Food Network a few years ago that you hosted? That it was a pilot, and it was all about uh, mistakes in food history. Yes, of course I do. I wrote that. <laughs> I don't wait. I can't tell if that's genuine or not. Was that genuine? No, of it's so it was, funny yeah. because for whatever reason, I was having to find air checks the other day of something, um, which is like that's like snippets of like a radio show that I was having to send to somebody. And I found a bunch of the ADR you guys were having me do because you kept on like changing the script and I had like send back like uh, uh, different audio for you guys. But yeah, I remember that vividly. And Patrick Stewart, not the Patrick Stewart that's like from Star right. Trek, but Patrick Stewart from like well, daytime from television Seinfeld. fame, uh, was was like the main guy in it. And I was like, dude, I know you. I remember that. Yes, I rem I knew when you called. I was like, I know this guy somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever happened to well, that? Why did I get that show? <laughs> well, well, dude, also to be fair, the entire time that we were interacting, I had on like a shitty fake beard and like a 10 gallon hat or something. Wait, but was, you didn't explain to so, the people. Yeah, so, so people in the, the are, are in 
our listeners, uh, it was a show where it was about food mistakes in food history, and the first show was about the history of the graham cracker, which it's worth looking up. It was an insane reverend that convinced people that not having sex and eating nothing but the original graham cracker, which was disgusting. It was just a blob of bran, but like celibacy and no and just this horrible food was the way to beat cholera <laughs> and it like and it like took off for a while and then eventually he just got like beaten by a mob of bakers <laughs> oh my god Now that we've come all the way off the rails, uh, let's go back into a young Wells Adams. Uh, what what kind of what kind of pets did this kid have? What'd you get? I've got some crazy stories. If you want to hear a really cool crazy story, I'll tell you one. It's it's not mine. It's my brother's, but I think it'll blow your mind. So I am the youngest of five. Um, so we had a lot of wow. yeah. We we had a, a huge family and. So we had, I remember we had rabbits and it's, this is a sad story, but we had rabbits and my sister's was named, <laughs> name was Smudge. The rabbit's name was Smudge. And somehow it got out of the thing and my brother ran over it, but uh, parking, oh. going out of the driveway. And, and it was just like Smudge is Smudge. It was really sad. But we had rabbits. <laughs> uh, smudge out of Smudge. Yeah. And then we had, ch- we had chickens, which I would love to like, I, we live in studio city, so like can't do it. But at some point I would love to get chickens again. Cause it was a, a fun situation. Cause you always get eggs. Um, and then we had dogs, so many eggs, so many eggs. And then of course we had dogs. Um, there was one that was like in particularly was, it was my brother's dog, but it was, he went to college and then became my dog. His name was Woody. Um, super sweet yellow lab. Such a great dog. We had a cat named phantom, that uh, would pee in the hamper, and it was just, oh, I hated that cat so much. Because you know when <laughs> but, you're a kid. I mean, it, at least cat pee doesn't smell that bad. They, you know, know, thank God. <laughs> but it would pee in the, the hamper. Worst. And you know when you're a kid, you'd like wear your like favorite shirt, and then you'd throw it in the hamper, and then like something cool would happen a couple days later, and you're like, I need to wear that shirt again. And then you'd, I'd go get it, uh, and I'd be like halfway through the day, I'd be like, I just smell like cat piss. Uh, but Phantom was cool. But the, the crazy story that I have about pets is that um, we were out hiking or whatnot. My dad and brother were, and they found uh, – they went through a, a area of forest that had been like chopped down and they found a bunch of geese eggs. And my father was a gynecologist. So, uh, an OBGYN. So he had like a pretty stern understanding of incubation and like, I don't know, keeping stuff to get, getting stuff to be born and keeping them alive. So my brother took home these two eggs. Was he a goose gynecologist? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, he liked to look up, the goose, goose, goose ganders. Uh, so, uh, so anyways, we brought these eggs home and I remember my dad brought from his lab a, uh, incubator and we had these eggs in like this incubator and then the, the they hatched. They were my brother's geese. I wish he was here to tell the story. They're my brother's geese. They hatched. We built like a little lake for them. Um, they were called the geesty boys. <laughs> That's a great handle. Yeah. And my brother could talk to them. Um, like he had a call for like 
It's time for breakfast. It's time for dinner. Um, you need to come home. And they would follow him. They imprinted on him and they would follow him around like wherever he went. And so he would go to school and we, our school was like maybe like four miles away. And the geese would fly from, we lived on a golf course. They, they would fly from, Shut up. Oh they God. would fly from our front yard or like the 10th fairway, which is where we lived to school. And they would land like on the recess, on like the recess field. And then my, the principal would have to call my mom and be like, Hey, the geesty boys are here. You need to come get them. They're, <laughs> they're like squawking around waiting for recess. And my mom's like, I can't go get the geese. Like just go shoo them away. And so, yeah, but they would, this is insane. Yeah. It's, it's the story. Like no one believes the story when I tell it, but it's such an amazing story. And and the reason why I can prove it is because we have video and pictures of it. My brother had this BMX bike, a diamond bag. It was the best. And he would ride, Sweet. he would ride down, uh, the, I told you we lived on the golf course. He would ride down the 10th fairway and the two geese would fly right next to him. And so we have this amazing video and this amazing photo of him riding his bike as fast as humanly possible. And the two geese wings are like right on his shoulder flying with him. It was bonkers. So then eventually the geese. Holy shit. Yeah. And so geese like fly away home. Not a, not true. You don't need to take the goose down to where it needs to be. Instinctively, they know where to go. So the geese just started flying south one day when they got old enough to like instinctively know they needed to go south. So they would go south, and then every every year they would come back. And we had these French doors that faced the uh, outside towards the golf co- golf course. And when they were younger and hungry, they'd come up, and then they would like they would like peck on the French yeah. doors to be like we're freaking hungry. And so every year they would come back and they would waddle up to the French doors uh, and peck on it. And my mom, at this point, my brother had gone to college and my mom would call him up and be like, Hey, the geese boys are back this year. And we went out and fed them and everything. And then like one year, like only one came back and then one year it just, it just uh, stopped happening. But that is crazy though. Yeah. Your brother was the three-eyed raven. Yes. <laughs> he was all seeing. That's so nuts. Uh, so, so, was, so was Carl your actual first guy that you got by yourself? First, first pet that you had as an adult? Yeah, I would say like that was, that was actually mine and like I was the one in charge of taking him to the vet and getting his shots and stuff. So yeah. Nice. So let's go into Carl then a yeah. little bit. So you got Carl from a shelter. Do we want to give that shelter a shout out or anything? This is so sad. I don't even remember. I just, I think I did a search on, you know, I Googled like bloodhounds in shelters near me. And the closest one was, I just remember it was in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which was at the time, I mean, it's like a 50 minute drive from Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I just drove over yeah. there and I went twice. I remember I went to go check it out and to like make sure it was on the up and up and met all the dogs. And then I pretty much knew what I was going to do. Cause there was a, there was, I mean, there's a bunch of other dogs, but there was like a litter of, of, mm-hmm. of little bloodhounds. Bloodhound puppies. So, I mean, good on you for number one for rescuing. Good job. And then also like just derailing the myth that people can't find purebred dogs. I mean, there are purebred rescues. There are purebred dogs in shelters all the time. So how old was Carl when you got him? I mean, I don't know. I, he was, Ish. Yeah. he was this size, you know, he oh. was, he was puppy he, size, oh, he was baby. but I also don't know oh. if he was full blooded. Cause I've, I see right. other bloodhounds 
he's he's like 85 pounds. So he's big dog. But I've seen other bloodhounds yeah. which are like much droopier and yeah. uh, kind of more flappy. Whereas he's, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was like bloodhound and had like uh, a coon hound in him. Like he's got almost he's like a little svelte, like a coon hound would be. Kind so. of what I thought he was when I saw him originally. Do you think about doing like a breed test? That would be fun. Yeah, but like we've already got the Instagram handle of Carl the Bloodhound, and I just don't want to get <laughs> right. Can't mess that up. Got it. <laughs> got plausible de- deniability at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was old. Um. So how how old is he now? He's five. He's five. Okay. So when did he start? So I would ask if he'd been healthy up till now, but we know about his seizures. So when did he start having seizures? Has he had any other like health issues before? Not really. He's got severe anxiety. And I'm actually excited to talk to you about this because he's got severe anxiety, which is something that I've read about like uh, bloodhounds in general. They're very emotional dogs. It's like crippling for him. If the gardener came, he'd lose his mind. He'd try to he tried to like break through the glass and like if I'd hold him and be like and try to soothe him and, and tell him to sit and be like, it's OK. He's like literally just like shaking, like losing his mind. Mm-hmm. So we got him. So I took him to the vet and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, he's completely trained. Um, I can tell him to sit and stay and come right. and, and down and touch. And I can make him do everything that you'd want. That was one thing. He was, it was like he's losing his mind. You need you need to teach him stuff and so mm-hmm. we took him to class he learned everything he still can do everything but he would still he still just loses his mind when people would come that he didn't know um so finally the vet was like we need to get him on some anti-anxiety medication another thing is like if he goes to the mm-hmm. vet he like loses his mind like so much so we have to put a muzzle on him and stuff to the vet oh yeah, yeah. he just does does not like that um so the, yeah. the vet was like hey we should put him on some paxil and we got him on that. They really didn't do much. So then we start. Then he started getting on trazodone, which is like a tranquilizer. And it, I mean, it didn't mm-hmm. do a whole lot. And then he started mm-hmm. getting. Then he got. He had his first seizure. Um, the end of April, and it was a grand oh. mall seizure. It was really bad. And then I called the vet, and they were like, "Videotape it." It's so like, I had this horrible video of my dog having his second seizure that day. Um, really, really long. Oh, and I know. So yeah. my, my thought was like, he never had this before. I think it's from all this anti-anxiety medication, which mm-hmm. my vet was like, I don't think they just wanted to even entertain the idea p- purely because mm-hmm. I guess there, there, there could be some sort of liability because they were the ones who put them on it. But I was just like, I don't care whether or not who's at fault here. Like I also signed sure. off on it. I just, if that's the case, let's get him off this immediately. Like then he, cause he doesn't, right. I'm much rather him freak out of the gardener coming than, um, than him having seizures, you know? Sure. So sure. the problem is that when you get a dog on anti-anxiety medication, it just like a human, you have to like really slowly like take him off it. Cause it can be like harmful, I guess, to them. Mm-hmm. So we finally got him off it. Um, it took a very long time. It took probably like four or five months to get him off it. And he's had a seizure 
uh, he's had two seizures since then. And I went and had mm-hmm. him, um, like MRI and cats, all the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and I was thinking that he had, a, so you saw a, neuro- a veterinary neurologist. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking that he had a tumor and, and we did everything and come to find out he just has idiopathic epilepsy, which is a f- very fancy way of saying, we don't know, but he has seizures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess as far as entertaining, you know, whether or not like any of the anxiolytics or usually we use Prozac. I haven't seen anybody use Paxil, but either way, like one of the SSRIs um, could have caused a seizure. I mean, I agree with your vet. Honestly, I, we, I don't know if we even have that much liability, but I, it's just, it's hard to place them together. Whereas idiopathic epilepsy is definitely unfortunately, something common that we see in dogs. I mean, you know, look, anytime- That's really you, what that means? It's just dog- Idiopathic EBC epilepsy? Season? What? Like, we don't know? Yeah, it means, I mean, it's a, it's a diagnosis of rule outs. And it's the same thing in children, usually, or people. Anybody with epilepsy means seizure of unknown causes. Um, and what it means is like the electrical wiring in the brain sort of goes haywire for some reason and causes this crazy seizure activity. So, look, I mean, yeah, anytime you mess with, like, neurotransmitters or brain signals or anything else like that certainly could have potentiated something that was already there as well. Um, Although usually, like, the sedatives, like trazodone or things like that, will also sometimes help things like seizures. Um, So it's, it's really hard to know. I mean, my guess is probably he just was you know, born with the propensity, um, the, pre- the the predisposure to have idiopathic epilepsy. And usually dogs less than six. So six is sort of the cutoff age. So like I could have told you right there that usually dogs under six years old, it's typically most commonly idiopathic epilepsy. Dogs over six years old, we start to think about like brain tumors or... Um, or strokes or things like that that are a little bit scarier, obviously. So idiopathic epilepsy and and seizures in and of themselves are um, typically not life-threatening except for the large grand mal ones, especially if they they last longer than five minutes. Um, So yeah, so that's really scary, you know, that he had a grand mal. and, And the the once they have one and he's diagnosed with idiopathic epilepsy, the goal is to decrease the seizure frequency by about 50% at least. So we, he'll probably not be seizure-free, unfortunately, but hopefully can decrease the intensity, the frequency, the length, like all of that, that would make it, um, you know, like life-threatening for him. But in and of themselves, hopefully if they, if they last short periods of time, are not life-threatening and, and should not hopefully even decrease his lifespan or anything else like that. It's just something that has to be managed. So does that all sound right to you in your experience? Yeah. I, I would say that uh, he broke through on this medication called Keppra, which he's still on. But I would say that like the phenobarbital is the stuff that like I feel like really was what helped him okay. out. He broke through. So he he broke through the phenobarbital. Is that no, what he saying? broke through the the stuff called Kepra, but he's still on it. Oh, Kepra. And then he the mm-hmm. phenobarbital. I do feel like is the stuff that like really works for him. But I guess they were concerned about like uh, it affecting his liver. liver. But we did, uh, you know, we did a blood test after a month of him being on the pheno, and he was he was fine with it. So I don't know. I guess not that I not for nothing, and I don't know anything. But I feel like phenobarbital was like, yeah, that stuff works. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that that is the general consensus is that 
they'll usually try to start with Keppra because Keppra is so safe and has so many like minimal adverse effects and you can just keep them on it and put them on like super high doses. The phenobarbital can have some adverse effects like drinking a lot, peeing a lot. Um, it can affect some liver enzymes, but typically it doesn't. And hopefully now his seizures are really well controlled. So that's that's great. Yeah. What does breakthrough mean? Like breakthrough still have means, a seizure? Yeah, he's got too many too frequently, too often, too long, okay. too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really working anymore. And it tends to work. Kepra also tends to work at first, but then you can have breakthroughs also down the line. They sort of kind of build like a tolerance to it. So the big problem with Kepra is it's really, really expensive. And so yeah. that's like that's like one yeah. thing that I, I kind of wish I had known about like going into it because now we're kind of stuck. And and luckily I'm blessed and I it's not really that big of an issue, but if this mm-hmm. was like 25-year-old wells, I don't know if I could afford, you know, it's sure. like it's like 500 bucks a month for this. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's something that I kind of wish well, I had that, known going into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's a really good point. I mean, and that's where I would definitely recommend that especially 25-year-old wells has pet insurance. <laughs> Do you guys have? Do you have pet insurance for him? I'm so annoyed because when no. I first got Carl, I, I got it. And then I could two yeah. years went by and I was like, this is so stupid. I don't nothing's wrong with this dog. He's fine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're you're the example that I use. Um, so you know, he's he's five years old though. Really, you could still get it. I would still recommend it. Obviously, anything like neurologic will be pre-existing for him, but it could if he's got like one other big thing, it could pay for itself at this point. So it really is. I can't recommend it enough. It's really going to revolutionize the way that I can practice, I think, you know, with people getting reimbursed almost immediately now. So I have it for my own dog, but um, because everything's not free for me and I know how expensive it is. So, so yeah, so that's a really good point is that Capra Phenobarb is cheaper, but I can have those adverse effects, although it works really well. Hopefully now he's just controlled on his phenobarb and his Kepra and you like his neurologist. His neurologist yeah. is VCA and they seem like they do a, like a really good job. And, uh, you know, he has like a seizure like once a month now, which is I think is that's just now par for the course for him. His last mm-hmm. one was, I think, maybe a week and a half right, ago. Right. And it was it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as the as the previous one. So that gave me hope and is it normal so he has a seizure and so he's just like straight up convulsing and then he kind of comes comes to but it he it seems like he's blind like he can't see anything and he's like running into walls or like almost like crawling up the walls trying to figure out what's happening and then finally he like calms down and is like oh i'm back in my body and i'm ex- i i know who i am is that normal for them to lose vision after a seizure yeah, so it can be one of the consequences. I mean, I definitely I hesitate to call any of that normal, unfortunately, but um, but it's definitely common that they have that they can have what's called pre-ictal and post-ictal. Ictal just meaning like around at the time of the seizure. So pre-ictal, like some dogs will do, will have like a tell right before they're going to have a seizure. So some of them like vomit, or some of them will vocalize or do something odd that kind of cues you in that they're going to have the seizure, and then post-seizure. 
they have this post-ictal period where they can be really mentally inappropriate. Um, they can, you have to be really careful because like they can be just so disoriented. They can bite you. They can actually go blind for a little while. Um, and uh, yeah, it's concerning. So all you can do, so I was going to say actually, maybe you can also tell people what you do, but like I always the only thing you can do when your dog has a seizure is to keep them safe. And that just means make sure they're not going to hurt themselves or you while they're actually having the seizure. So make sure they can't fall down steps or like roll off of a bed. But like I've heard all kinds of rumors where people think that they have to like hold their tongue or like put a spoon in their mouth or something like that. Like do not do that. Just keep them safe and make sure that they they don't hurt themselves. So um, so does that answer your question about that post-ictal? It's pretty typical. So all you can do is keep him safe as long as he comes out of it. And usually it lasts for like a certain period, probably a certain period that's like germane to him. Um, I would say usually it lasts, can it last like, you know, an hour, a couple of hours, should not last days. Yeah. For him, his tell, it's always, it's interesting. It's always when he wakes up, um, he like wake up kind of abruptly from something. Right. And it's almost like when his brain gets turned on and then it goes haywire for a little bit and then he has his seizure. I, I wish I had known this information before it happened. And this is a good thing for all like dog owners that have never dealt with a seizure. When he had his first one, I did the same thing. I was like trying to hold him down. Like it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then he kind of came out of it and he, yeah. he knocked a, a glass off the table and he fell off the bed and then there were shards of glass everywhere. And so I was trying to get him away from the glass, which I did. And I was trying to calm oh, him down shit. And he couldn't see anything. And exactly what you said, he bit he bit me. And he's not a mean dog. I just think that one, I don't yeah. even it wasn't even him in his brain at that time. Right. And I think he was just terrified yeah, as to what was going exactly. on. Yeah. And right. yeah, he, uh, he bit me, which then I was like incompat. I was like, oh no, man, my hand. And then uh, yeah. and then finally he calmed down and he kind of came to. So yeah, it's like one of those things of. You just got to kind of stay away from, you know, make sure they're safe, but like stay away from them because it's going to take, you know, 10 minutes right. or so for them to come back to normal. Dude, yeah. that sounds so stressful. Yeah. That whole it's, situation. It's so stressful. It's just so oh, hard God. to watch. But, yeah. but I do want to reiterate again that they're not typically life-threatening unless, and I just want to throw out there for like when a seizure is an emergency. Usually we say a seizure is an emergency if they either have three or more seizures in a day, or they have one seizure that lasts longer than five minutes, then it's time to get them to the hospital to have help. Wells, do you have a like rectal or nasal volume for him at home just in case? No, I. they gave it to me after I think his first one or his second one, and we did it and nothing, it didn't, didn't change his seizure time limit. So I oh. shot it up his nose and, that, and nothing oh. really happened. You're supposed to give it to the dog. You... <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so oh man bull you're such a good dog dad and we praise you for all that you've clearly you're very committed and you love him a lot yeah we're buds <laughs> and we also have a question um from us weekly if, if we're gonna get serious yeah, about yeah, this yeah. interview well, let's buckle down buster wait did we answer all the seizure <laughs> any any other the, any other seizure or right? veterinary questions wells uh, I, no, I, yes, I have another question, but this one's for my fiance, her dog, Boo, which is. Well, then um, we're going to have to get her on. I can't answer for you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Smart. Her dog, Boo, eats poop a lot. 
and then if so facto sometimes throws up. So I'm trying I'm very vigilant about picking up the poop, but like how do we stop that or like what is it is that an issue? What what are your thoughts? Yeah, those are all really good questions cuz poop is gross. Um Well, no, I what? think it's grosser when you throw up the poop. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really that's an so added level of gross. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Eat the poop, throw up the poop. Yeah. Ah, now we've <laughs> At least you can just keep it down. Now we've got something for everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got uh, for you emetophobes out there. Yeah. And actually this is a nice segue probably into Richie's next question, but um I will say eating poop is not typically dangerous uh, in and of itself. Like if they have a parasite and we're trying to get rid of a parasite, they can continue to reinfect themselves that way. Or if they eat, is it his own poop or other dog's poop? I think it's Carl, she's eating Carl's poop, which we were concerned okay. because obviously <laughs> Carl's on a lot of medication and we were like, oh no, is she getting right. like phenobarbital through his poop? We obviously overthought it, I think, but... <laughs> Well, it's possible. I mean, actually, one thing with poop is, you know, for like my dogs on like chemotherapy and stuff, you definitely, it's mostly probably with chemotherapy. You don't want to touch or eat any. Yeah, you can have radioactive pee, poop. You don't want to vomit. You don't want to touch any of that. So like I've got clients who are pregnant who have dogs on chemo, which is just like so sad because I hate seeing my pregnant clients like be so stressed with their dogs with cancer. But anyway, um, and it happens more than you think. They, They cannot touch their pee or poop because they have chemo in them. But I think, um, I don't think it's such an issue with with these meds, but um, it's not hard. I mean, otherwise we know that Carl's healthy and probably has no parasites. So other than that, it's not harmful in and of itself. As far as stopping the behavior, just because it's achy, I mean, you said it, like the best thing you can do is just pick it up like right away to deter that behavior and deter them from doing it. The hard part is, the hard part to, it's hard to train out of them because they just like it. I mean, it's like telling a smoker to stop smoking and they're like, fuck you. I like it. You know, it's, they're just, (laughs) it's hard to, it's, that's hard to train out of them. They're not doing it for like a particular reason other than joy. So it's really hard to train out. But yeah, but, um, what there is another thing, um, (laughs) there are, there are other, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then have a cigarette after. Um, there are other products that we use. There's a one called Forbid, F-O-R-B-I-D. Um, you can get it on Amazon uh, or through your vet or I can order it for you later either way. Um, and uh, it it's some, it's a powder. I guess that in this case you would have to put in Carl's food um, to make his poop taste different. I would say it probably works like 50-50. Some dogs will just eat right through it. Some dogs it does work for. So... Yeah. Or what? you can have a blowtorch handy, and every time he poops, just, just <laughs> nuke the poop. No, but she might or like that. cooked poop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Like, uh, it's I, like a barbecued poop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put it on a smoker. <laughs> so, okay. uh, according so. to Us Weekly, um, <laughs> there there was there was two things. They're very hard hitting journalists, as you know. <laughs> uh, you guys plan to have the dogs be part of the wedding. And also, they say that there's a uh, that there's there's a turf war happening in the house between uh, Carl and Boo. A turf war, or we just want to know if you sleep with them in the same, if you guys <laughs> all sleep together in the same bed. Yeah, because we have. Well, are you? Oh, I'm just saying we have a hound who's 72 pounds, so we love our hounds. We're very partial. Um, and Richie always said it's like having another dude sleep in the bed. But I mean, I love it. So yeah, well, you love dudes. Yeah, if you guys do it, we could do it. <laughs> okay, so this is funny because this is like a conversation that we're currently 
not fighting about, but like discussing. So yes, both the dogs sleep in the bed. And, you know, Carl, like I said, Carl's 85 pounds. Boo is a normal lab size. So I don't know, 50 pounds. So a lot of dog on the bed, which it just makes it so yeah. there's just too, there's just too many dicks on the dance floor. Let's just say what it is. It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Uh, so we recently purchased like really, they haven't come yet, but we have purchased really, really nice, like kennels with like barn doors. And it's like got the whole nine yards. And I'm like, when these things get here, they're sleeping in their beds now. And so it's a little bit of, uh, I don't know if Sarah's really going to allow it, but, um, yes, we, they sleep on the bed and. So I'm who's so wait? Who's I'm of their so, who's so of their persuasion that it's too many dicks on the dance floor, and who's of the persuasion that they should sleep in bed? Definitely, Wells thinks there's too many dogs in the bed. That's yeah. what I think. I actually thought it was the opposite way when I read the article, but no. Um, okay, interesting, interesting. I guess Sarah knew what she was marrying into. So yeah, no, Sarah loves to have. But okay, what size? Maybe you just need a bigger bed. We have a California king. It's the, we have the biggest. <laughs> Have you thought of getting two California Kings? <laughs> Sadly enough, yes, we have. I can't, I can't, champagne problems over here, guys, but literally that's what's happening. We've thought about the two bed thing. Just blow out some walls. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm thinking. Yeah, oh my God. So, okay. oh, we got to, we got to end this. <laughs> uh, and, and they are going to be a part of the wedding from what we understand. Well, I mean, I think we would like them to be, I, it's, that's a, uh, Yes, I would say I would say yes. They'll they'll be there in some respect, or we're gonna have like officiating. No, uh, not officiating, <laughs> but um, we're bringing we're bringing in some heavy hitters, some more star power for that. But uh, <laughs> or, or we're just gonna have like a photo shoot with them here, and then you know, not have not having to deal with them at the wedding. I don't know. We haven't really figured it out, but yeah, they'll be a part of it at some point. Yeah, it's definitely a wild card to introduce into a wedding multiple dogs, not just one, but like they might actually interact with each other and tear some shit up. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Well, at least they get along. That's great. Yeah, they're lovers. Oh, they're lovers. Oh, Aww. well, well that's, that's a whole nother podcast. That is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You have been an amazing guest and it is time to just do one final thing. And that is to determine by way of a quiz if you, Wells Adams, deserve dogs. You know what it is. It's time for a quiz about dogs and shit. It is going to be a best out of three multiple choice, okay? I think you're going to do great. When you have Wells Adams on the show, you're obviously going to Google the term bachelor dogs. But you'd be surprised to learn that you can actually get a bachelor's degree in dog from SUNY Cobbleskill. What? More specifically, you can get a bachelor's of technology degree in what four-year program? Canine psychiatry, tail wagging interpretation, canine training and management, or since Jelaine isn't dead yet, she was never actually in custody. <laughs> I don't even understand the last it's one. Gislaine. It's Gislaine. It's Gislaine. Why can't we? Yes, I'm sorry. Since okay. Gislaine isn't dead yet, she was never actually in custody. But Okay, so the, is the question which one of those majors is real? Uh, yes. 
Canine psychiatry, tail wagging interpretation, canine training and management, or since since Ghislaine isn't dead yet, she was never actually in custody. I think the third one, canine training and management. That is correct. Wow. That is correct. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Yes, you can (laughs) learn to design effective canine training programs, interpret program results, and make necessary adjustments based on practice and theory. And they guarantee that you're going to be walking, working in the dog industry as a graduate. They guarantee it. And I think I went on that one wrong. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. On season 23 of The Bachelor, the night one villain, 26-year-old DJ Catherine Agro, which is a horrible name, also made a big splash because she made her debut along with a 10-year-old long-haired chihuahua named Lucy. But we never saw Lucy ever on the show after that. I ask you, why? Because Lucy wasn't actually her dog? Because Colton is severely allergic to dogs and had her removed? Because she suffered an untimely rectal prolapse that just wasn't going to be good for camera? (laughs) Or because the meanie producers forbid pets from being in the house? Yeah, I would go with the last one. Producers didn't allow pets in the house. That is correct. Wow. When I first went on Paradise, um, they wanted me to come on the show really, really badly. And I said, I don't want to go on that show. And they said, well, how can we get you there? And I said, well, if you let me bring my dog, I will do the show. And they said, sounds like a great idea, but I'm not sure if we can put a 90-pound bloodhound on a plane to Mexico. So you're just going to have to accept more money. And then I said, okay, yeah, that also works. And that's how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, inside knowledge on that one. Yeah, okay, like so it. two out of three, you're playing with house money right now, but I wrote this question, so we're going to answer it, ask it anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, Wells, if we're talking about dogs and bachelors, we have to mention the most infamous bachelor painting of all times. I'm talking, of course, about Dogs Playing Poker by Cassius Marcellus. Though they are now associated with dudes that live by themselves, those paintings were originally commissioned by Brown and Bigelow to help sell what? Playing cards, dog collars, cigars, or poop-proof chairs? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go... It's either cards or cigars. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with cart playing cards. It was cigars. Yeah. Yeah. They were a part of a 16 oil painting series and all of them featured dogs smoking. For the record, (laughs) Dr. Lisa Lippman does not condone dogs smoking, but- but you, you deserve, deserve dogs. dogs. <laughs> oh, you did it, buddy. Dude, you were such a great guest, man. Thank you so much. Um, you you have a considerable following already, but you know maybe you'll get five more followers out of this. Where can people find you? <laughs> on social media, I'm at Wells Adams on pre- pretty much everything, um, I think. And then, yeah, you can listen to my podcasts and stuff. I It's not about dogs, but just type in. I do one with uh, Brandy Cyrus called Your Favorite Thing, where we talk about our favorite things that week. Either it could be dogs or 
shows we binge watch on TV or books we're reading or music we love. And then I do another podcast called The Wells Cast, um, which is where I just I interview famous people and I find out like where they came from. And I'll be on this upcoming season of Bachelorette. I'll be on the upcoming season of The Bachelor. And then, of course, every season I'm in Mexico as the bartender. So I'll see you guys there. Sounds pretty good. Uh, you guys know you can find me everything is at Richie Redding and keep uh, listening to number one album of the year by me. Love hearing you guys or when you when you reach out and tell me that you listen to it. It's super cool. Uh, at Dr. Lisa Lippman, D-R-L-I-S-A. If you just put in Dr. Lisa on Instagram, it comes up. That's All right. It. Thanks All so right. much. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Richie Redding. And I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. Yeah. And you can find both of us at our respective handles, those exact names, at Richie Redding, at Dr. Lisa Lippman. And uh, I just want to give special thanks to our editor, of course, who is Jordan Aaron, and our executive producer, King Joffrey himself, Jeff Umbro, of The Podglomerate. And you can find more of their shows at thepodglomerate.com. Some of the music in this episode comes from Breakmaster Cylinder. Make sure to check out the sponsors you heard in this episode because that really helps provide the show to you free of charge. Let them know we sent you. It also really helps people to find the show if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode on socials. Tag us at We Don't Deserve Dogs and let us know what you thought. We'll see you next week when we return with another episode of We Don't Deserve Dogs. All content provided on We Don't Deserve Dogs is for informational purposes and entertainment value only. None of the content on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to constitute third-party veterinary advice or any other third-party professional advice. The content We Don't Deserve Dogs distributes or transmits should not be considered as a substitute for any type of professional veterinary advice. Nothing on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to be used as a veterinarian's diagnosis, veterinary treatment, or any other veterinary service and should not be relied on to affect the medical therapy of any pet. Nothing transmitted to or from We Don't Deserve Dogs can replicate a true doctor-patient relationship between yourself and a veterinarian. Your dependence on the content of any information found on or transmitted by We Don't Deserve Dogs is at your own risk. For veterinary care and advice, please see your veterinarian. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.